Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of My Naked Mindset. I'm your host, Janae Ledger. Thank you so much for being here and tuning in today. This is a big, exciting day. I have an incredible guest on that I have admired from finding her on TikTok, and I'm super excited for you guys to hear our conversation. By the way, this is episode number 89. Um, Happy New Year. It is 2023, which is truly just insane to me. I am recording this very early. It is almost Thanksgiving right now, so that's exciting. Well, I am totally not going to babble because I am so excited for you to hear this episode. So without further ado, here is the guest. All right, everyone. I have a very special guest today. She is a grad student studying marriage and family therapy, specializing in sex therapy. She's using her sex positivity and education experience to create an unfiltered perspective on her podcast, Handy Mandy. Everyone, please welcome Amanda to the show. Hello. I'm so excited to chat with you today and just hear all about, you know, where you got to where you are today. And I'm just so excited to have you here. So thank you for being here. Yes, of course. I'm excited to be here. I was studying up and listening to some of your past episodes and um, I think your mom with Erica, like I love her content too. So I am glad to be part of this freaky circle of people. Yes, I love it. I love it. So let me ask you this. Have you always been intrigued into this industry or what kind of got you into, you know, wanting to be a sex therapist? Yeah, I've always been intrigued by sex, much to my parents' disturbance, I guess. Um, when I was young, I like made them give me the talk, asked all of the questions. And then I was in a pretty conservative, sexually repressive environment when I was becoming a teenager. And I think them not wanting to talk about sex at all made me want to research even more. Um, I was always interested in psychology. So then when I got to college, I realized by talking to some professors and kind of looking into different fields that this is a real job and it sounds like the most fun job in the entire world. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, I've just kind of aligned my education and all of my work experiences to point me in this direction and I'm halfway done with grad school. So we're on our way. It's exciting. That's so cool. And it's so funny because I think me and you have a lot in common with that. Like I was always, ever since I had started having sex at like 16, um, I was always just like, I used to be the girl like in my cosmetology school that would literally just be like, oh yeah, like me and my boyfriend did XYZ last night. Like I was just so open. Like, and people would like gravitate towards that because they were also curious because, you know, your teenage years are like so incredibly, um, I don't even know just you learn so much so yeah. much and I feel like those years really taught me so much and like just talking with people and like hearing their stories or like if one of my girlfriends was a virgin like she'd ask me all these questions and I was just always the person that would just like be super open so I can totally relate to just being like just so curious because it is like when you don't when you're still a virgin, it's like you, it's like a whole different world that you haven't even experienced. And it's like, they barely teach us shit when it comes to sex education in school. I talk about that sometimes, like it's, it's, it blows my mind, like how, un- how uneducated, un, you know, 
pleasure negative I guess you could say like it was so it's so crazy to think about like what we were taught and I'm sure you can just speak on that so much as well it's all scare tactics it's here's what your body looks like on the inside with lines and colors um and if you decide to put your parts together you have to be a boy and a girl and you're gonna get an std and you're gonna get pregnant and what's funny is a lot of if schools have sex education they'll actually take you through an exercise of calculating how much money it costs to like have and raise a child but they don't teach you like basic shit about how cheap it is to buy like contraception um I actually got two ends of the spectrum when it comes to sex education the first one at that like repressive school it was in a different country but it was run by missionaries Mm -hmm. make of that what you will um they split up the boys and girls and the boys learned about erections and pornography and the girls learned about periods and I remember asking the volunteer that was leading the class like because I knew a little bit like my parents, they raised me right. And I knew what masturbation was. And so I asked, yes, I asked the teacher, oh, is there any way for a boy to get the sperm out without having sex? And she said, no, that he has to have sex and it has to be with his wife. And if you're married, you physically, if you're not married, you physically cannot have sex. It's not possible. And that's the only way to release the sperm that makes the baby. And I knew she was lying. So mm-hmm. I gave her my 12 year old middle finger and just completely rebelled against everything that they stood for. But then I got to high school back in the US and I had an amazing health teacher. She was fresh out of college, low key, very hot, which helped with sex ed. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out Katie. And she talked about everything about sex. I pointed out to her that there was no clitoris in the diagram. So she printed new ones. Um, And she kind of helped me actually start like realizing what my career was going to be. But I've, I've had both types of sex education, like abstinence and shame based, and then open and sex positive. Um, And I know a lot of them fall in the middle, but I mean, the dream would be for everyone to just know that sex can be good and it can be bad sometimes but like learn like teach everything not just the scary parts and Mm -hmm. and and that's just so important too because as a kid it's like that's what that's the only thing we know we're just like you scare like you said it's like a scare tactic and it's all mostly negative like oh like if you have sex you will get an std and you will fucking have a child and it's like that's just so that's so far from the truth like yeah you might you might have a baby young but there's so many other things you can do to avoid that and that's some of the stuff that they just like mm-hmm. very, very briefly brushed over from what I what I learned and what I remember and kids are gonna like especially teenagers like they're gonna want to learn and they're going to learn and if they learn in school that sex is dangerous and bad and gross but they learn from porn that it's crazy and violent and there's fluids everywhere then they're like wait what's the truth like am I normal is this what am I supposed to you know be into um but that's a whole other thing (laughs) it's so crazy to me and and it's just like 
yeah it's it's wild to think about now did you like I guess before you went to you know high school and all that fun stuff you said your parents were really open with you sometimes you said so would you say you grew up in a sex positive environment I think I did um they they weren't too forthcoming with information any question that I asked they answered honestly and I asked a lot of questions so I think at a certain point they just realized like oh that's just she's just curious and like likes to talk about this stuff and they were Mm -hmm. always supportive but there was also just a little bit of like religious values also which was you know sex is beautiful and it's amazing but you'd have to be married first um Mm -hmm. And at a certain, at some time in my teenage years, I was like, hold on a second. They were not married the first time they had sex. And like, I love God or whatever, but I think he has bigger things to worry about than that. So we're just going to disregard that part. Um, But yeah, other than that, they have always been supportive and open and they talk about the risks, but they also talk about like why people do it. The fact that it is pleasurable and it makes you like feel closer to people. Um, So they were... I guess a strong base given the two extremes of how you can learn about sex. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I think a big thing that you said that really stuck out to me is when you ask questions, they were honest. Cause I, I know a lot of parents will be like, you know, they won't be honest or they'll they'll make up some crazy shit. And then the child thinks about like thinks that that's true their whole life. And then they found out when they're older and they're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a tough one too to to kind of really grow up with like just knowing like you know I'm not giving I'm not having the right information given to me um so as a sex therapist what is you know your clients will come to you and can you give some examples because like what if someone doesn't know what you know a sex therapist does or what your potential clients can come to you with Mm mm-hmm I'm going to blanket it by saying I'm not yet certified and none of this advice should be taken as therapy, yada, yada. Um, But I'm halfway through school, over halfway. And it can really people, when they hear sex therapy, they think that it has to be something like crazy, like something has to be super wrong. Um, And a lot of people do wait until problems get more serious until they seek therapy, just like any other kind of therapy. Um, but it could be individual, it could be couples, it could be, um, romantic systems. So like, you know, non-monogamous groups of people who want to like learn how to add other people in or how to navigate having kids. And, um, it can really be anything that somebody would go to therapy for regularly, but, somehow related to sex. So I think one of the most, some of the most common things are shame. Like people come in with just a lot of shame and it's physically getting in the way. Like they can't get hard or their vagina muscles clamp shut because there's so much like internalized fear. Um, Some people come to Every time I say come, it just makes me giggle a little bit. Some people come to therapy um, because they had a kid and they haven't had sex for two years after and they just need to get back in the groove or they just went through menopause and don't feel horny. 
Um, a really common one is mismatched desire. So one person wants to have sex every single day and the other person would have sex once a year if it was up to them. Um, you can like, people with kinks and fetishes don't normally come to therapy if they're already like self-accepting. Um, but if there's shame around it, people will come for that. It can be like physical, mental, emotional, just pretty much any sexual concern you could think of. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is so interesting too, because I think, I mean, I'm sure that there's so many people that don't even maybe realize that sex therapy is a thing, you know? I mean, I feel like a lot of people, I talk about this all the time of like, I've, I've been to therapy many times. I am a huge advocate for therapy in any sense. Um, I think it can really change someone's life. And I think a lot of people, you know, there's still such a stigma around it. I think it's getting better. I think, you know, as a society, we are slowly getting better at it. I think we still got some work to do. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's so important that there is, you know, specific you know, sex therapy and, you know, I mean, there's so many different kinds of therapy, but I think it's, it is so important. And maybe someone out there listening to this will be like, oh shit, I didn't even know that that, you know, that's something that really could, I could benefit from. And, and, and I think that's so important for people to know. So thank you for sharing, you know, all of those different things. Um, and I know that there's just, there's so many resources out there. So it's really important for people to know. Um, now, I want to get into some orgasm stuff. Yeah. So I know, I know that there's so there's so many different types of orgasms. So maybe we can start there, and then we'll kind of go from there if that sounds good. The types of orgasms, I assume you mean like G spot versus clitoral versus nipple. Um, the very elusive. I'll start with nipple orgasm because it's a little bit different. Um, some people just have a certain degree of sensitivity that stimulating your nipples, males and females, um, can bring them to orgasm and you still get some of the sensation down below too. Um, can't speak from experience on this one, but the, when we're talking about clitoral and G spot orgasms, they are kind of different, but really they're the same thing because the G spot is and is certain extension of the clitoral network of like muscles and tissues and nerves. Um, it's just a different spot on the clitoris. It's not the external part you can see, but some people say that orgasms, you know, internally with the G spot orgasm feels stronger or like you can feel it more deeply. Um, but I think the percentage of people that can orgasm from only G-spot stimulation and not clitoral stimulation is like 15 to 20% of women. Um, whereas the other 80 to, am I doing math right? Yeah, 80 to 85% need direct like external clitoral stimulation. Um, so when we're talking about like which one feels better, they probably feel very similar. Um, and a person that can experience an internal G-spot orgasm likely will experience the same with clitoral stimulation as well. People like, I think Freud came up with the fact that 
G-spot versus clitoral orgasms are different. Um, but we've kind of debunked that and said like, it's all the same part, just organized right. in different places. So it can't feel that much different. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so interesting. Cause I, I mean, I personally have experienced not the nipple one. I'm very intrigued about that. Um, actually, weirdly enough, that was one of the questions that I got from one of the, lis- the listeners was, can women orgasm from nipple play? And that is true. Um, it is very interesting. I've never experienced that. I've definitely, you know, clit, G-spot, squirting, all the things. Mm-hmm. Very incredible. And I also... I also am intrigued if you have any tips for maybe someone is struggling to find their G-spot and they want to make themselves squirt. I would love to hear your tips if you have any of maybe how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, my first, maybe not a tip, but general thing to know is it's not as far in as you think it is. Mm-hmm. Don't get the longest, curviest, craziest looking dildo trying to find it because you really don't need that much um you can't see because this is audio but I have super long fingernails (laughs) so if you have very long fingernails um you might want to get like a small toy they make a lot of toys that curve specifically to where the g-spot is um and those tend to be pretty accurate but in general, it's about two knuckles in and curved upwards. The easiest time for you to find it is actually when you have to pee, like when your bladder is full. If you go in two knuckles, lube, always, always lube, um, and curve up, if you hit the spot where it makes you feel like you have to pee a little bit more, that is where your G spot is. And if you're not super turned on, it might not feel like anything. It might just feel like the inside of your vagina, but like the more that you stimulate it, it'll start to get bigger. And it, in some people, I think most people it's kind of bumpy. Like they say a walnut, but you know what bumps ridges feel like. Um, And it starts to get bigger. So you can actually feel it get like more tense and more hard. Um, And that's how you know you found it. (laughs) No, that's, that's a really good tip. And, and I've, what, from what I've heard and what I've, what I've personally experienced is when you feel that like tension building up, it's like, keep going and if you feel like you have to pee keep going don't stop because you could have that squirting which I personally think is probably one of the highlights of my life when I taught myself how to squirt (laughs) in here I no joke bought myself a bottle of champagne a cake a bucket of fried chicken and made all of my girlfriends go out to a bar with me to celebrate and they all knew that's what the party was about. Like it was a top three life goal of mine and we reached it and it was a celebration. <laughs> I absolutely fucking love that. That is, it really is. I have tried to teach, that's, this sounds so weird. I've tried to teach so many of my girlfriends how to make themselves squirt because I'm like, if I can do it, you can do it. Right. Well, actually that's a good question. Can every woman squirt? Do you you know that? There is very limited research on squirting. A little bit more coming out now. Um, 
for some people that have like really small skeins glands, it's unlikely that they'll squirt. Um, a lot of people, it just happens very naturally. And it's not actually linked to orgasm. Sometimes people squirt right before or during or after, but it doesn't, the two aren't always tied together. Um, I think there, there are some people that probably are unable to, but even I thought my whole life, like, oh, I can't, you know, I've just like, I'll just never be able to, but there are certain techniques that you can practice and learn and teach yourself how to, it might not be like, you know, the fire hydrant gushing that you see in videos. It probably won't be actually, to be honest. <laughs> um, and it, it might not be as like pleasurable as you're expecting it to be. Um, and it takes some effort, but like a lot of people can learn how, but then again, we never get taught like how to use pelvic floor muscles and what pelvic floor muscles are and, you know, what, how to exercise and relax them to make that happen. Eagles. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, actually squirting, you kind of need the opposite of Kegels, Ooh. which it's kind of, it's hard to like explain without giving misinformation that might lead people to like overuse their <laughs> pelvic floor muscles, which can be bad. But with Kegels, you're like squeezing in, like you're squeezing up and in and like tightening. When you're squirting, you actually need to relax your pelvic floor muscle so that you can open your urethra so that it can come out. So when you're doing Kegels, like do the tense, but then make sure you're also focusing on the relax because the tense can help kind of like, I don't know, collect the squirt up mm -hmm. and then the relax is what pushes it out. So yes, Kegels, but also the relaxation that goes along with it too. This is so intriguing to me. Um, so if someone were to, you know, want to try out a new type of orgasm, like obviously clitoral vaginal, mm -hmm. like maybe they want to try anal and how would you recommend them like exploring that with their partner? Um, maybe not even specifically anal, but like a different type of orgasm that they've never experienced before. Mm -hmm. I would say the first thing is maybe, well, you can do a little research if you'd like, like mm -hmm. when it came to finding the G spot or squirting, things like that, like there are like resources, there's enough articles out there on everything. Um, even sometimes porn can be helpful to figure out like mm -hmm. what helps, how to get started. Um, but the number one thing, especially if you're a little bit nervous about it or about talking to your partner is to do it on your own first. Um, so if you wanted to explore anal, get comfortable with the feeling of it, like use a plug or just your finger or like a small vibrator so that you're comfortable enough just with the feeling that when you introduce it to your partner, you're not nervous about that part anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when it comes to your partner, I mean, there's certain people are more willing to like be direct and open about talking about sex. Obviously we want everybody to be like that, but like, I understand it's not always easy. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you can take the direct route and just say, hey, I saw this thing about um, how anal orgasms can be like even more pleasurable. Do you think we could try it? And I honestly can't picture anyone saying no to that. Mm. You're asking for more sex. You're asking for new, different, fun sex. So I think people anticipate a more negative reaction than they're actually going to get. You can also, when you're in the moment, like already everyone's like turned on, everyone is open to trying things. Um, just say, hey, do you think you could try licking here or like move it this way? Um, in the moment direction is really easy because people just want to make each other feel good. And it's not going to have to be a whole conversation. It can just be as simple as like moving this up to the other hole, you know, things like small gestures. Um, and if you're really shy, you can take like yes, no, maybe quizzes where you can find a bun bunch of them for free online. You just rate, would you do this? Yes or no. And then you get matched on what the yeses are. And you can talk about um, like how, when you want to try that. Um, but yeah, I mean, really everyone's like, how do I ask my partner to do this? Or how do I get them? It's just as simple as asking exactly how you would ask me or you or anybody else yeah no I love those steps and I think I I also suggest sometimes like even text it like if you're so nervous about like talking about it or being like like blame I, I always say blame it on me say Janae I, I was listening to a podcast and she was talking about xyz like I don't give a shit blame it on me blame it on you know something you saw on the internet I mean obviously the internet is filled with so much different information and videos and what have you but I think I love the idea that you said like do it when you're in the moment because you're so right we all like that's what we're doing is we're pleasing each other we're making each other feel good um and just kind of guiding them like that's it's it should be as simple as that and and it, any any tips on like if someone kind of resists maybe like if you I don't know if someone moves their hand somewhere and then they like pull back, like maybe just kind of like maybe walking them through it a little bit more or just being like, Hey baby, I, I really want to try this. Like, do you have any other recommendations for someone? Yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's different when, if we're saying that we want a new kind of orgasm for ourselves, like we want them to do it to us versus wanting to do something to someone like if they pull back from that then you take a step back and you don't push further and you can talk about it later but if you let me think of an example paint a little word picture you want him to make you squirt and you like guide his fingers up to the right spot and you can tell he's kind of like what the heck like what are you this isn't this isn't how as far and as hard and deep as I usually go um, the only, like the main reason people pull back a little bit or are apprehensive is because they're nervous that they're going to do it wrong, not mm -hmm. because of anything you're actually doing. People care more about, you know, themselves, even during sex sometimes than they do about, you know, they just don't want to disappoint you. Um, right. so, I mean, I think blaming it on you or me or anyone saying, <laughs> Yeah. I saw this thing or if you are open about watching porn like I saw this thing in porn where like they put it right here and then they did this with their tongue and she squirted and I just know that you could do that to me you know stroke the ego a little bit um mm -hmm. and I think like we could do that and no one has ever made me do that before like 
Yeah, make it sexy. Yeah, like you don't, it, sexual conversations like in the moment like that, you don't need to make it very clinical and therapy Right, right, right. Say like, you know, no one's ever made me do that. And I, I really want you to do like boost them up because if they're pulling back, they're likely feeling a little insecure, a little unsure of what they're doing. And if it's new to both of you, then it just takes a little encouragement and you can even for some people, um, pull up a video or a wiki, how picture (laughs) map how, and just walk through it together. And, you know, it might take you out of the moment a little bit to be like, okay, left. Okay. Up. Okay. Go this way. Um, but once you figure it out, like you're set for life. So it's worth, it's worth that one or two day learning curve to get there. I freaking love that. (laughs) Um, so now I really want to know if you could give like one spicy spicing up your sex life if you could give one tip to like a couple maybe struggling to you know maybe find time or you know they're just struggling and they need to spice it up what would be your one tip that's probably really hard (laughs) I think overall it would be Well, finding time is a little bit different, but I would just say like my overall tip for everyone is to the best like way to sum it up is Tantra pretty much. And that's not my culture and I don't know a ton about it yet, but I do know that the idea behind it is you're focusing on what you're actually feeling in the moment rather than expectations or what you think you should do or the thoughts that are going through your head and so a really easy way maybe for a couple that hasn't had sex for a really long time and they're like nervous about getting back into it or a couple that's maybe bored with the usual you know the routine that you fall in is try and like erase everything that you think you know about yourself and your partner and do like one or two nights like just erase your normal sex life and do like full body massages even the parts that you don't think will feel good like the neck the back the arms like everything and take mental notes of "Ooh, this feels good here and what feels good for them and then just like very slowly work your way to sex um because I think we fall in these rhythms of efficiency you know like start with this and then she gets head and then he gets head and then it's you know missionary doggy like we have mm-hmm. our our thing because it works and it it feels good but sometimes you really need to reset and act like you're a virgin again and kind of just explore everything all over again I love that idea and a massage can be so fucking sexy like set up some candles and make it romantic like I think that can be so fun like Mm -hmm. without the the massage oil like get really into it and make it like make it comfortable for you and I think like candles I love um led lights uh and you can like change the different colors I was um uh, podcasting with someone else um that's also in the sex industry world education Mm -hmm. and she suggested that I get these LED lights and you can change all the colors and you can like make it red, like every color of the rainbow. 
And when I got that shit, I was like, this is unreal. Like every color is a different vibe. Like purple was nuts. Blue, red, red was just, it was such a different vibe. And it, I thought it was so cool. So definitely, definitely try that if you haven't ever done that before. Because it can be so fucking sexy. Send it to the party setting and it just goes through all the colors. Yes. You feel like you're in a strip club. It's awesome. I love that. I love that. Um, and this is a great transition into our next topic, which is kinks and fetishes. I know you have been posting about this, and I am so excited to just hear all the things. So I think we should probably start just so because I think I think a lot of people um kind of misuse those terms and like sometimes they're kind of over overlapping. So let's kind of break down what is a kink and what is a fetish to start. Yeah. So a kink really is an umbrella term for anything that you find sexual that's outside of the norm. And I did air bunny quotes because it's kind of different to everyone. You know, for us, sex toys are normal. For your grandma, they're probably not. Um, And she would consider that kinky. But I think if you think about like mainstream, what's normal, anything outside of that, would be considered kinky and then fetishes um I got this wrong on my learning curve that I talked to a kink coach and she set me straight fetishes are a a type of kink where you're attracted to either like a non-sexual body part or item um it's more of the like tangible like physical object that -hmm. you're attracted to whereas kinks could be like um you know bondage oh god I know all of them so I never know which ones to pick as like examples but anything you could possibly think of could be a kink um food kinks pee kinks poop kinks uh breastfeeding kinks feet obviously like that's a pretty popular one um but it could also be a fetish because it's like an object people that find um smelling women's underwear that would be a kink or I mean literally anything gene kink is very popular which I was surprised by and literally anything you could think of somebody finds it sexy so the jeans like the the clothing yeah. Mm-hmm. oh yeah I've never heard of that one I've definitely and- done my research on some of them and I'm like very intrigued on yeah I've never heard that one interesting and even okay. within each of those there Mm. is a huge array so like someone with a foot kink one person might like like worshiping kissing foot rubs the other person might like the smell of like really dirty feet somebody might like to be stepped on with bare feet or with shoes or with heels or with ugg boots specifically like there's Mm. infinite kinks you you can kind of group together interesting Mm -hmm. That is good to know, though, because I, yeah, I've heard of, like, you know, worshipping and, like, um, even, like, foot jobs. I've definitely heard of Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that, but I had never heard of the stepping. I didn't even think about stepping on, you know, that Mm -hmm. is very interesting. So would you say for, like, you know, maybe a beginner couple that is wanting to kind of explore into some kinks, what what do you usually recommend them maybe starting with? Like, what's a good starting point? 
I think people normally have kind of an idea in their head if they have something like a more specific kink, but another part of kinkiness outside of, you know, all the different types underlying it, underlying most of them is power dynamics. Um, And that could be through, you know, a full dom sub relationship or um, some people enjoy being kind of humiliated or degraded that would be like you know if you like to be called like a slut during sex you might have a little bit of a degradation kink um the power the the power play the control part comes into most kinks so if you feel that you're a little bit submissive or you're like a little bit dominant um lean into that and see which ways you like to be dominant or submissive um and I mean just a quick porn search and like you can go down rabbit holes and if you find something that tickles your fancy then there's your kink you know right that's such a good tip too because it's like there is so many things out there and it's like where could someone even start so I love that and honestly like you're right like a search like then you kind of just explore and 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 I think even looking online and researching kinks like you were saying can be actually really beneficial and kind of seeing oh okay bdsm oh okay well what what does that entail and how can i do it and and Mm -hmm. you can kind of just figure out what you're really into yeah and kinks are like fully customizable i would say Mm -hmm. like you can be into bondage but you just like to use you know the shibari ropes or um you know handcuffs but you don't want to go like full dominatrix and you're still that's just your version of kink like it doesn't always have to be the extreme that is portrayed in like porn in the media it can be like you can have a soft kink um I like to think like me and most sex educators and like most people in this field that I talk to have like a billion soft kinks and like Mm -hmm. sometimes you might go harder into other ones um but it's just a preference, like anything else, like your brain just finds something sexy or arousing. And it's just like a, another part of you. Mm, totally. mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually went to um, a sex shop actually this past weekend, me and my fiance were like driving down the road. And it's honestly like 15 minutes from us. And I always wanted to go. And I was like, you know what? fuck it let's go in so we walk in and it was actually like it looks really small from like when you're driving by it was actually very large and we were like looking around and I was like I really want to buy something what to buy um we'll we'll see what happens but we kind of walked around and I ended up getting I'm gonna call it a paddle but I don't actually know if that's the correct term it was I'm like showing as people are listening but it's like I guess what a paddle but it also had like fur on one side and then the other side was velvet and I thought holy shit so this not only could be used to slap my ass this also could be used to like like um like uh oh my god not handcuffs um blindfold I couldn't think of the word for a second blindfold and then like the the senses because that's a huge part of it too is like when you remove one scent sense that sounds so weird when you remove one scent, it's like everything else is heightened. Mm-hmm. And so so the blindfold with the feeling of the velvet and like the fur was 
so incredible. And I was like, oh, I actually am really fucking into this. It was just like really sexy. And then of course, like we could also use like the paddle part, which was really fucking hot. So that's going to be my little tip that I add to this because I feel like, like, I didn't know if I would be into it. My boyfriend or my fiance was kind of like, I don't really know if I'm going to be into this, but like he was actually getting super into it. So that was a good way to kind of go and you can of course get it online if you're like too nervous to go in a store um but I think really just being able to you know look online or go in a store together and it can be like really fun and sexy like a little date night like oh let's go to the sex shop or let's look online and order something and just really start little and and then maybe I would get into you know the other what are the ones with like the I can't think of the name of them it's like um a flogger Thank you, flogger. I should have mine right here, but I don't. (laughs) (laughs) There was so many of those, but they were like $150 at this place. I was like, damn. I was like, shit. It must have been been like some crazy leather. I really don't know, but I was like, homegirl homegirl can't buy that right now. (laughs) Right. No, and sensation is another big part of like all kinks really. And obviously we think of BDSM because that's like where you see them used most. But Mm. yeah, definitely what you said about the blindfold, same thing with ear. Like if you want to take both of those senses out, we've all seen it in Fifty Shades of Grey. As much Mm. as I have to argue with that movie, like that (laughs) is true. If you do sensory deprivation, anything that you do is going to feel 10 times better. Um. And yeah, I think toys are definitely a great place to start. And it might be a little awkward, like going in there and having to check out, you know, with your boyfriend standing right there, really quiet. And then even when you get home and you try things, it doesn't, it feels different than your normal sex life because you, you have that routine and like what you're used to, but you just have to come at it with an, like a very curious outlook like we've never done this and it could go well and it might not feel good, but like, let's just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's a great place to start with anything and even acknowledging to your partner, like, this is kind of silly, like he, oh let's just try this for one night. Um, and yeah, I think like a lot of, you don't know what you're into until you see it or experience it. Um, and toys are definitely a great place to start because even if you just like the feeling of it you can find fun ways to use them and what you said about floggers they're like they have the handle and then a bunch of long little strings I've Mm -hmm. seen some very cute ones made of like soft silicone with glitter inside and you picture them being super like intense and extreme like whipping and Mm -hmm. with those actually when you like hit somebody pretty hard with it it doesn't hurt very much because it's like soft leather but the other side of that is when you're doing a massage or you're blindfolded and you're like teasing your partner if you just run all of those tiny strips of leather along their skin it's like being tickled by a thousand tiny fairies like it's awesome and there's like a thousand ways to use any toy so that's my ted talk on vloggers (laughs) I love it no that's that's awesome too because it was kind of similar to the thing I got like just the feeling of the velvet I was like it just it felt so good and I was like oh wow like 
I didn't know if I would be into it, but I was like, I think I'm going to like this. And it was, it turned out great. And also I think it's okay if you do try something out and you're like, you know what, wasn't for me, then you never have to do it again. And I think that's totally the beauty of, you know, kinks. Like you can kind of figure out what's, what's good for you and what's not. Let me ask, yeah, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. If someone had a kink and or fetish that, you know, they kind of wanted to introduce to their partner, but their partner was very hesitant. I know we kind of already went over this a little bit, but what if, you know, what if I had a crazy fetish that I was like, I have to do this to orgasm, blah, blah, blah. And the person was just like, not open to it all at all. Like, do you think that that dynamic could get better? Or like, do you think if, if I'm, I'm not going to be satisfied in that fetish, that something that that might not that situation might not work right I think it definitely can improve if the reason that they're hesitant and saying no is because they don't know much about it or Mm -hmm. they have some misunderstandings or some like judgment against it that they've learned from like the internet, their family, their friends, whatever the world teaches us to be like ashamed of everything. If the reason that they're saying no is because they don't understand it or they're nervous or they have made judgments based on other people's opinions, um, then you can improve it by like educating them and saying, when I was eight years old, I remember getting really horny whilst trying on my dad's boxers and like (laughs) telling them like making it personal it's not like you're some crazy perv who wants you know some deviant thing you're still you and Mm -hmm. you're still attracted to them in all these other ways but this is like a part of you that you want to explore with them however if the reason that they're saying no is because they have so much person like of their own shame around sex they are a sex like negative person they aren't open to anything beyond what interests them then there's probably not going to be a lot of room for growth there um Mm. and if this you know is a big part of your identity and you like that you're really kinky and you picture a life where you get to do these you know things that make you feel good then not saying you like pick the kink over the person but if they're not able to rise to the occasion and open up for you then it's probably not going to work long term anyway and I'm biased all the time even my professors say like you know that the goal of therapy is not always for them to stay together like sometimes it's better for people to break up and Mm -hmm. if you're dating somebody who is totally unwilling to even learn about something that you're into, then they're just probably not the person for you. And they need to do their own work on their own stuff. Yes, that is so true. I I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that because it, it is true. It's like, even if it's like a hobby, like if someone is not supporting your hobby, your job, something that you are so passionate about. And I think that you know, you could be really into, like you said, you could be just really, really into this kink and or fetish. If someone is not going to support your your hobbies or something that you really enjoy, then you're right. Maybe that person is not for you if they're not 
I just think your partner should be very supportive and at least open to learning about XYZ, mm-hmm. right? Because, and I think communicating that, and I think what you were saying about just like opening them up to it slowly and like educating them on it might make them a little bit more open and eager to learn about it. And then therefore you can kind of slowly introduce that with them. So I think that, I think that's beautiful, beautifully said. Thanks. And Um, I mean, what I told my friend recently when this kind of thing came up hmm. is treat your kink like it's any other preference in your life. Like you love sushi, but your boyfriend hates sushi. Is he going to ban you guys from ever going to a sushi restaurant even though he could order different things like if you have a kink that he doesn't you can explore it together and obviously respect the other person's boundaries if they don't like it they don't like it and they don't have to do it but you can find other that you can order salad at a sushi restaurant you can order Mm -hmm. like a california roll like there's you don't always have to be into the same things but you have to be willing to be flexible with each other to find ways that both of you are satisfied so it might not be like your full fantasy but if your partner is willing to indulge in parts of it with you you have to decide like is that you know enough like to sustain your like sexual relationship no I think that totally makes sense and it is that's such a good way to put it too because think about it in like a sense of like your other things that you enjoy I think I think that makes total sense um, do you think that porn or like just finding information on the internet has made it easier for people to try out things and like find more, you know, information about it? Or do you think that porn and more information, like I just think about before the internet, how did people like figure out these things? I always think about that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the internet constantly reminds me that I am a little baby and I'm only <laughs> 20 almost 24 and I don't know an age before the internet but I think it had it's made it easier for people to discover these things but it's made it more difficult to figure out what's true versus false or helpful versus unhelpful like for as many great informative articles about how to find the g-spot there are just as many saying that like if you touch a woman's g-spot you'll turn into a frog like there's so much bullshit out there and so it's harder to sort through it but I think it definitely has made it easier for people to get the information they want and when it comes to porn like it's such a double-edged sword I'm a pro porn person but like anything like it's an industry and it's not really meant to educate it's meant to entertain um and and so like you can you can learn things from it but if you try to model your own sex life after it you're going to be very disappointed and probably like a little traumatized yeah because it is very most of it is very unrealistic and yeah I completely agree with you um what would you say is like one of the biggest misconceptions about kink and or fetish um probably the biggest one is that people with fetishes especially because I think it's it's less prevalent than kinks because it's such a specific subset of it but I think Mm -hmm. people assume that everyone with a fetish is like obsessed 
and mm-hmm. they're doing these things in public and they're like whenever you know if the door is locked they're just you know diving into their fetish and they have to do it all the time and even the misconception that they have to do it to reach orgasm in like very very extreme cases that could be true but most people with fetishes um they can have vanilla sex and enjoy it um they might just like to watch porn that involves their fetish they might like to do it um like once a month or once every two months and that's something very like common in the kink community is when you're in these like intense BDSM scenes, it takes a lot of energy, like emotionally out of you. And so like even super kinky people, they're not having kinky sex every time they have sex. Um, Mm. And it's, it's not like a multiple times a week thing for most people. It's like, you know, we only have sex once a month, but when we do, it's super kinky or we have vanilla sex most of the time, but, you know, every now and then we'll do a whole BDSM setup. So it's not like a zero or a hundred thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like people can explore their kinks one time and not the other. Um, And people with fetishes aren't like deviant hermits that lock themselves way with shoes like they just are into it like it's it's really yeah. like any other interest Interesting. I love that I think that just debunked so many so many things so I'm sure people will just love to hear more about that um mm-hmm. so we do have a few listener questions a lot about squirting so my first question that I got was is a women's squirt pee and does it come from the bladder? That I feel like that has been all over the internet recently. So, yes, I know the article that everybody's talking about, and I have access to the entire thing and I have read it from top to bottom. Um, it's not pee, but it does come from the bladder. So, mm-hmm. as far as they did the you know research where they measured bladder volume before and after squirting and then they tested the squirt to see if it matched the pee um and they found that there are like trace amounts of pee that are just like resting in your bladder that'll come out same way if you ejaculate out of a penis there's tiny amounts of pee stuck in there too but there's like very trace amounts of those chemicals and mostly it's water so no not pee But what they found from studying the bladder is that when you're like escalating that arousal, you're getting more and more turned on through sex. And a lot of times through like G-spot and clit stimulation, your kidneys draw all of the water, like the extra water in your body to your bladder, um, which is why you get that feeling like you have to pee it's not that you're like making pee super quick. It's just that for some reason, and nobody really knows why, um, when you're so aroused like that, your body just brings all of the water to your bladder. And so then when it builds up and you push it out, yes, it comes from the bladder, but it's just water that was all throughout your body. Interesting. I love that. You heard it straight from <laughs> yeah, seriously. And you know what? I if I have a conversation with anyone about squirting, first of all, I'm going to tell them to listen to this podcast. But secondly, I am gonna freaking destigmatize this shit because I'm sick of hearing men, mostly, mostly men, say, Oh, it's pee. Oh, I'm afraid of it. It feels fucking good, okay? Let me just squirt and enjoy myself and stop 
shaming me. <laughs> like that's that's how I fucking feel about it. <laughs> also, so what if it was pee? Like that's another thing. Extra wetness. I mean, and like that would the equivalent of that is being like ew pre cum. Like it's what? coming out of the same place. It's a different chemical. It just mm. it's an it's a flag that means I'm horny. So squirting should just be a flag that means like you're doing a good job, buddy. It's nothing. Yeah, I can't even. I can't even. I'm not going to stoop to the level of the internet men today. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> literally, literally. I do it every day, and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um. Then the next question is this male wrote in. He said, "I'm embarrassed to be uncircumcised. I do not want to date because of it. My girlfriend broke up with me about it. Any advice?" First piece of advice: fuck her. Um, obviously everyone has what they're used to, but circumcision, unless you follow the Jewish religion is just an outdated practice. That's like assumed when you're born and it's just in the U S like people from UK and like people from every, like, it's very rare. It's, it's just something that we've held on to. And I get that in America, it does carry a stigma to be uncircumcised, but good piece of advice is anything you can think of somebody has a kink for a lot of girls have preferences for uncircumcised penises especially if they enjoy teasing edging like sensation play because you have more sensitivity than other people and to the average person that really hasn't explored their own sexuality very much they might not understand that that's a positive thing. They might, you know, there's a lot of stigma, like, you know, you might not last as long because you're more sensitive, but sensitivity is like a huge positive and you can have more pleasure and have more fun um, because of it. It's just, I wish I could erase your your shame for you. Um, But it might help. I don't always give this advice to find videos where the uncircumcised penis is like celebrated just to know and go read the comment section. Just know that there's so many people out there that like want you exactly how you are and prefer that over how most other guys in the U.S. are like circumcised so I want Mm. you to love your penis and that is all (laughs) I know I I read that and I thought oh my god well first of all someone breaking up with someone over that I think is absolutely insane like that's horrible so I love I love your advice too I think that's it, it that's a great idea of first of all searching for it and and making sure that you know that it's it's normal it's celebrated it's it's completely normal. Um, and I, I I also can relate to, or not relate, but I've also interviewed these two sex podcasters, um, Hot Girls Theory Podcast. They live in Australia and they're a freaking blast. But they told me that pretty much the majority of men that they've slept with in Australia have all been uncircumcised. Yeah, uncircumcised. And I personally had never experience an uncircumcised dick ever in my life and I'm like wow 
am I missing out? Because they were like, oh, no, if someone if someone is circumcised, they're like, I don't even like it. Like I they're like, it feels so much better um, uncut and blah, blah, blah. Like and I was I was baffled because I did not know like other country. Like I was very unaware of that. So it was very interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I in my very limited experience <laughs> have had both and I can okay. say the difference is not remarkable to me like the technique or whatever like there are some differences you got to pull the foreskin down but beyond that the same it's the same thing the same stuff feels good you can actually do more things because you still have a foreskin there's extra slideability there's like I've I've had both and I wouldn't break up with anyone for either um but if you're young just know that uh, when you get to a certain point like people will love your uncircumcised penis. And if you're older, you need to learn to love your uncircumcised penis because there's, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's your natural, everybody else's. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say botched. I'm not going to say it, but you know what I mean? Like they all did something. You're, you're in your natural form. You just go get it. Um, And then the next question is, I am into ear play. How do I tell my partner that I want her to lick my ear? That's the kind of thing that I don't think needs an entire sit down negotiation session. I Mm. think you definitely, I mean, my advice to everyone is do a fun date night yes no maybe test a lot of them will have that on there like kissing the neck sucking the neck licking ears um and she might say that I'm assuming it's a she I think you said that you know she might not be into that but as long as you like keep it clean and you know everything's ready to go you can either you know put that in the test and then talk about it or in the moment like you guys are making out or even during sex, just a, like a sexy whisper of like, hey, like suck my earlobe and then like, ooh, like lick it. I mean, that's the kind of thing that in your head, it feels like a big ask, but mm-hmm. I can't, I can't imagine anybody not being into that. And if, and if they're not just explain, like, it just feels really good. Like, you know, you know how you like when I touch here, like that's how that feels to me and just relating it to them. If it needs further explanation, go into it. But I would say in the moment, just test it out and see. That's a good, that's a good tip, relating it back to them. And you know how you like this, it's similar to me for this. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's a great tip. All right, are you ready for our game? Okay, I'm ready. All right, so the first one is pizza or pasta? Pasta. Pasta. Uh, curly fries or waffle fries curly because they're crunchier normally love um do you prefer takeout or dine-in takeout takeout love night sex or morning sex night sex night would you rather have the ability to talk to animals or the ability to control weather talk to animals i gotta know what she's thinking sometimes right (laughs) I think that about my dog literally every day. I'm like talking to her all day. I'm like, she's probably wondering what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> Understand. Um, 
literally, if you had to choose sex toys only for the rest of your life or oral sex only for the rest of your life. Probably supposed to be that. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna go with. Can I explain myself? Absolutely. I love my sex toys, but I'm gonna go with oral sex only because my partner does this thing called the razzle dazzle, and I couldn't survive with just that for the rest of my life. Understandable. Love it. Mm -hmm. love it. Okay. Would you rather live without movies or live without music? live without movies music is life i need it uh, the next one is would you rather glow pink when you're attracted to someone or glow red when someone annoys you pink that's pretty cute love right it would be so hard <laughs> i blush really easily so I, it already happens <laughs> um would you rather live in the playboy mansion or live in a strip club Oh my god. Well a strip club, because at least you're making money there. Love that. Mm -hmm. Love that. Would you rather have eyes that film everything or ears that record everything? I'd say eyes. Love. Um in person shopping or online shopping? In person. You just can't beat that that experience i was gonna say feeling the fabrics or whatever you're looking for it's like completely different and i'm oh. five feet tall with a big old booty so it's hard to find anything that fits Thanks. see i'm five eight so it's so hard for me as well like i have the opposite problem mm -hmm. i totally feel you um would you rather give up all technology or give up tv movies and books oh my god I'd say all technology. It'd be tough. Either one would be really hard. I know. Well, I mean, like, I need it for my business, but also I think watching movies at night might be more important. <laughs> totally fair. Get rid of books. I don't care. I don't need books. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you prefer to have the best sex of your life only once a year or have mediocre sex, like, every day? That's hard. Um, best sex of my life once a year. Love, love that. Quality over quantity. Yes, so true. Would you rather receive chocolate or candy or receive flowers? Chocolate. Love it, love it. Girl, my own heart. <laughs> um, would you rather wear ball gowns every day for the rest of your life? Or wear swimwear every single day for the rest of your life. Swimwear. I love to be, I, I can be naked, but ball gowns just too much. It would be a lot. It would be a really lot. Um, and then the last one is sunrise or sunset. I'm going to say sunrise, even though I never get to see them. Because when I do wake up early enough to see them, I feel like it's going to be a good day yeah <laughs> love that oh my gosh well this was so much fun let everyone know where they can connect with you 
Yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram at handymandy919. It's exactly how it sounds. Uh, you can find my podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts, Handy Mandy Podcast. And you can find me on TikTok, but they don't like me very much over there. And my name is Handy Mandy Pod, P-O-D. Um, and if you ever have any questions or want me to cover something on my podcast, you can email me at handymandy919 at gmail.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure speaking with you and thank you for giving all of the amazing tips. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to have you over on mine once I figure out how to be a good host. <laughs> yeah. It was such a pleasure having Amanda on my podcast. I am so honored that she came on and honestly, she had such great tips and knowledge and education. So I hope you guys learn something. I'm sure you did. Absolutely. Go connect with her. I love her content. Support her. Support her podcast. And you know where to find me at My Naked Mindset on all of your social media. And if you have any topics you'd like to have me talk about, My Naked Mindset Podcast at gmail.com is a great way to email me or you can also DM me. I am happy to answer any questions. And thank you so much for tuning in today. Bye.